as much as you can shut down Anthony Souls, shut down Anthony <laughs> Souls. Can I just get like a more clear soundbite of you saying York shut down Anthony Souls so I can put that at the start? <laughs> Absolutely not. Hello and welcome to At The 55, your home for OUA football. Uh, Nate and I are on the mics here on the 2nd of October. We are slowly making our way towards the end of the season. Uh, Nate, first impressions coming off a, you know, uh, it seems like these scores are getting further and further apart, but some really interesting performances that no doubt will break into. What are sort of your off-the-jump thoughts from this week? Well, it was definitely a chalk weekend. I think, you know, the majority of the favorite favorites covered uh, the spread, barring, um, I think U of T was the only team that didn't cover the line that closed that, and they were off by a point. So uh, really kind of a good weekend for the favorites. And, you know, but that's not to say there aren't some interesting things going on. We kind of have a more clear picture as things are going on. And, you know, some people have been more right about some certain things than others, but um Nonetheless, there's still a lot to learn and, you know, there's still a few playoff spots up for grabs and some shuffling that's still going to go on over the past few weeks. So uh, still a lot to come, I think, uh, before we get to the playoffs and things like that. Yeah, definitely some teams making some statements with the games as they turned out. Um, And I think the you know the the sort of crown jewel this week being panda week was perhaps as highlighted that uh, sentiment as much as any other so we'll get into all these games we'll start off like we do always with some hardware go with offensive player of the week uh nate uh we obviously were talking beforehand that there's so many guys on the offensive side of the ball that we can hand this off to um and uh, like yourself i have a number of guys in mind i'm not even sure where i'm going just yet so hopefully you've settled on one because i'm throwing it to you from the jump who are you going with yeah i'm going with my guy you know someone who's also your guy zach i think but it's ben america our guy um you know and what is a huge week obviously panda week and probably i think his best game um as a U sports quarterback um going 20 to 23 incredible efficiency 354 yards and two touchdowns. Now, obviously looking at the stats alone, that's that's remarkable stuff. But I could tell you, just watching this game in general, that Ottawa offense is sort of this ability for them to, to throw the ball like that. We haven't seen that before in sort of, you know, at least since since I've been doing the podcast, is the ability for, for him to do that. Um, it could really, you know, has the potential to take them to the next level because – you know, early in the season, we're talking about this team being, you know, they're more of a defensive team. They run the ball. They have JP. You know what I mean? But if we get Ben Miracle having performances like this as the season goes on, then it really, I think, unlocks sort of a next level of potential for them and being, you know, as much as beyond Western a Yates contender, let's say. So uh, exciting development from Ben and, and the GGs for sure. Yeah, no shout out to to our guy. Our guy, joint custody of young Ben Miracle. And honestly, we'll get into some of the performances of other players on that offense and their sort of team at large when we get to that game. But the GGs have not just a case, but I think the best case for the best receiving core from like just, you know, just top performers and really solid guys across the board, just weapons that can help them out. And you add that into the run game as well. Uh, ugh, it makes them an exciting team. Uh, you know, uh, who am I going to go with? Okay, you know, I'm going to... There's another QB I really want to give some praise to, but I might have to just save that for when we get to his game in particular because I think it would be just just disrespectful to not take this opportunity 
to shout out Adam Williams coming off a, a week where we saw him get nicked up when they played the York Lions. Finishes this game 19 carries for 243 yards and two touchdowns. It looked like early in this game, U of T was, pardon the pun, but running away with it on the back of Adam Williams. And then when Waterloo was kind of getting back into it, clawing back in in their own right, it was still going to Williams that was, you know, not only got them out to that lead, but really solidified it, um, as well as the performance of another player that we'll talk about very briefly. But, you know, it's and, and Adam Williams is a guy, you know, in a, any program like UFT where, um, you know, they've had some good years in recent in recent times, you know, the Clay Sakari years, some really exciting performances. But he's been a guy who's kind of bridged the gap of sort of many eras of UFT football from some really not so great seasons to that exciting Clay Sakara time to this sort of, you know, era, the, the Kinsel Phillip era now, perhaps if we want to dub it so. And so a guy who's kind of seen all these ups and downs with this program and has just been there consistently and seeing him have no doubt the best year of his career for the Blues. Um, love seeing it. So shout out to Adam Williams. Let's move over to the defensive side of the ball. There's a bit of, you know, good, good performances, no doubt. Uh, not the, you know, not as obvious uh, picks as, as we may have seen in, in weeks past. Um, but who did you end up settling on in this regard? Yeah, I think we always kind of look for, you know, turnovers, sacks, TFLs, things like that. But uh, it was a good week in general for offenses. Um, and, you know, we generally like to stay away from from the blows. We try to at least uh, for stuff like this. Um, and I'm going to go with the clutch play. You know, just show you I was watching the game. You know, I'm, I'm not just picking picking some numbers after the fact, but I'm going with Ryan Stewart uh, from U of T. Uh, had the game ceiling interception for the Blues on when, you know, watching that game, Zach, that Waterloo offense was marching his way down the field there at the end, uh, looking to tie it up and send the game in overtime. And next thing you know, the ball's batted up in the air and Ryan Stewart has it for the Blues. And that's game. And a really crucial win for Toronto, obviously. Um, you know, we'll talk more about what it means for playoff implications later, but sort of a must win and really a clutch play in the game and it could ultimately be super clutch in their season as well. Yeah, and, you know, not to get ahead too much on the analysis of that game sort of as a whole, but that, that interception late obviously being massive, but then also I believe it was the Owen Casey interception or the Cody, one of the other two interceptions they had in, you know, a ball that I don't know what the route was supposed to be. Clearly, you know, back of the end zone, no one there but the defender. Um, so I don't know on whose end the mix-up was for the Waterloo side of side of things. But some huge plays by that UFT defense. None more than the Ryan Stewart uh, interception, as you said, kind of solidifying the win. But, you know, signs of, you know, a young team and, and kind of knocking on the door in, in Waterloo's regard. But just, you know, th- those key mistakes and clutch moments. For me, I am going to go to the side of a game that, um, you know, watching it through the first half um, didn't necessarily feel like a blowout. And, of course, the final score reflects a touchdown that came in literally the the, the waning seconds of the game. I'm sure uh, that's caused a lot of um, scuttlebutt, perhaps, in the Ottawa region. But I'm going to go with a guy who's been as solid as they come all year long in James Peter. You know, when you mentioned Ben Maracle's performance on the offensive side of the ball, you mentioned how this was a team coming into the year that we expected great things defensively, and their secondary is unreal. Uh, some really solid play through that linebacking core, but it, it really just feels like James Peter is just that that nucleus, that's the straw that stirs the drink for that team. And, you know, 
obviously we've been <laughs> unimpressed <laughs> with Carlton, uh, if you will, throughout the year. But, you know, man, a whole seven points in a Panda game where, like I said, going into that matchup, if Carlton was able to pull out a win, like just some weird bounces here and there, it's Panda. You, like it just, and it just kind of feels like anything can sometimes happen. Um, but it didn't. And the better team won. And, you know, I, I just you know, want to shout out a guy who's been leading that group all year long in, in Peter. Uh, special teams um, were in unison on this one. I'll let you shout it out because, uh, you know, I know we share love for certain players in certain schools, but this is a school that, well, no, we share love on this one, but you have the strong connection, no doubt. Uh, Nate, special teams, who's it got to be? Yeah, we're staying in U of T. It's going to, well, at Waterloo, U of T. Uh, it's Lucas Stoikos with, you know, uh, his 105-yard kick return touchdown. Um and, you know, again, it was a really clutch play because it was another moment where Waterloo found themselves clawing back, had just scored to make it a one-possession game. And next thing you know, the ensuing kickoff goes all the way to the other end for six. And as, you know, someone who had a little bit of action on this game, it was, you know, I was getting really <laughs> nervous until that happened. So, you know, I'm sure the Blues kind of feeling the momentum again, turning kind of Waterloo's way and being able to flip it just like that is such a huge play in the game. And, you know, Stoikos, uh, really has started to shine quite a bit these last couple weeks for Toronto. Uh, obviously had the huge game against York running the football. Now with Adam Williams back, you know, he's still able to make an impact on special teams. So really an electric guy. And, uh, you know, this is just an example of, uh, you know, some of the things he could do. Yeah, you know, I, I, if, I, if memory serves, last year he had a few big returns for UFT as well. And that kind of seemed like the role that he was sort of filling. But you mentioned, of course, the performance he had against York. So, um, yeah, great performance by Stoikos. Um, I don't have in front of me what year he's in. So if he's kind of the that 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 next, you know, running back for them in the mix should, should after be Williams. Second, at least eligibility wise. Okay. All right. Well, it'll be great to see how his career unfolds because I I have to imagine we're nearing Adam Williams's last season if it isn't already his last season but some exciting things from the backfield uh ballers for the uft blues so we'll now proceed into the games we uh had a nice sort of spread out schedule um i mean having one 12 o'clock and then two one o'clock games is kind of just having three one o'clock games but it does mix up nicely enough but the day started off with panda well, as we mentioned, we saw the Ottawa GGs take out the Crosstown Rivals in the Carlton Ravens. Final score, 37-7. to <clears throat> You know, off the jump, Carlton comes out in this one, opening up the scoring. De Jong hitting, I believe it was Kasim Fernand on that deep ball. And, you know, it looked like they were getting the run game going a little bit with uh, with Ferguson and I was really holding back, you know, putting out some kind of tweet of like Ferguson's back, baby, because I just I feel like I put the kibosh on him just by wondering where he's been. Um, and it felt kind of you know as as I went into this game, being like, you know what, we've said it all year long. Carlton has the means; they have the pieces to put together a good effort. It seems like just for any number of reasons, they just haven't been able to do so. But then that Ottawa machine that we've seen all year long just started rolling. JP started doing his thing, and but most importantly, Nick Gendron. Am I getting that right? I know he was, you know, I believe he was a CJP guy. I'm getting the thumbs up from Nate on that. We've seen him. I think in the the Guelph game, he had a nice outing, but just seemingly out of nowhere. Because you know, we mentioned that this receiving core. We've seen Dimbongi have a great year. 
Daniel Oladejo, the veteran for them, um, has had some good performances. The young guy in Rodney Estime, we've still went, been waiting for his breakout performance. And then another guy in Tristan Park who's been there. But now just another weapon in Jean Grand. Uh, Nate, what was your impression watching, you know, Carlton throw the first punch and then Ottawa kind of being like, okay, we're, we're not playing here. This is, yeah. Well, I can start with Carlton because I think it's, it's really weird watching them sometimes because, you know, they'll be, a, you know, occasions where they really put together some impressive stuff, uh, moving the ball down the field. And this goes back to even, you know, back when they lost to U of T when, you know, it'll be one drive out of nowhere. They just look like they're on fire. Same thing in the Queens game, you know, able to move the ball seemingly at will early in that game. And then that first drive, you know, I was kind of gearing up for, I was like, whoa, this could be a good game. You know, maybe not, I'm not expecting a shootout given, I guess, Ottawa's reputation before this one. Um, but it was DeYoung hitting a couple, you know, chunk plays down the field, uh, you know, to those receivers. And then next thing you know, they're in the end zone. And I felt like it was something similar they did against Queens. And it's just unable to do that consistently. And I don't know if it's, kind of they get that success early on and then you know teams kind of key on that and then kind of their lack of ability to run the ball um for forces them to get shut down or kind of what the deal is there but it's uh, they're a bit teasing in that regard like you see some promising stuff from them but you know we're still at the point where yeah they've beaten who they've supposed to beat i guess barring mac you know who like carlton I don't know what the hell I'm supposed to think about them, but, you know, regardless, still kind of a team where, and I don't think maybe we'll never know, actually. But moving on to kind of Ottawa, you know, I think what sums up the game uh, perfectly is they punted the ball twice the entire game. I was literally just looking at that. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, and watching the game, it's, you know, it was remarkable seeing them go up and down the field, up and down the field. And this game, it should have been a worse scoreline. Absolutely. Because there are several times Ottawa kind of moving into scoring position, and a unable to get the ball in the end zone and then having situations where they aren't even able to connect on field goals, having one blocked um, and Campbell fair missing another. So a bit of a red flag, I think going forward in terms of you go up against the big dogs, you know, a Western a Queens stuff like that. If you're not able to finish drives, if you're, you know, the classic adage, I've heard you say this a thousand times. If you're trading, you know, three for seven against Western, you don't have a shot. Like the game's done. So those are some things that maybe, you know, I would have liked to see them be able to do against Carlton. But at the end of the day, like the way they move the ball on offense and the passing game in particular, the sort of, you know, connection between Miracle and Jean-Jean, it seemed at a point where, you know, they were on the same page and it seemed like every single throw was going his way and he was getting open and, and all of those good things. So uh, definitely something to be excited about if you're a Jesus fan. Carlton, back to the drawing board. You got some more interesting matchups coming up, but, you know, especially after that Laurier game last week and kind of, you know, still having the juice after something as emotionally, you know, tolling as that game was to come back and do this in another, you know, high stakes panda environment uh, is very impressive. Yeah. You know, you mentioned the, the two missed kicks. I mean, Campbell fair was, was very quickly or very close to back to back special teams players of the week. Cause the one that got blocked was from 15, very makeable. And the one that he missed at the end of the, the second, uh, uh the first half, uh, only from 36. So very close to having a five for five day for himself. And then, you know, a shout out to, you know, despite Campbell fair only punting twice, Vincent Plouffe, seven punts, you know, netting 306 yards. So really, you know, trying to do what he can to keep his, uh, Carlton Ravens from having their back 
against the wall too consistently. And, uh, you know, we talked about that how effective that passing game was, but, you know, much like how defensively James Peter um, and, you know, so many other guys on that defense, you know, Kevin Victome consistently just keeps impressing me more and more um, um, in, in the secondary. Um, but, you know, on offense, you know, it's still all about the ability for I, I, I'd be interested to see if a team and, you know, their next game, Ottawa's going on the bye and then they get Western at home. If a team can slow down JP and really say, you know, Miracle, you need to you really need to beat us you know, by yourself. And when I say by yourself, obviously he has that great group of, of receivers to, uh, to pass it around to. Cause I, I, you know, we've highlighted miracle having some really strong performances this year. They've all happened on days where JP's also been running the ball incredibly well. You can obviously speak to that better than I can. And strong, uh, just- and strong, but not, not, this is like a, this is a really elite performance. I would say you can't really ask for much more from your quarterback. Than, than a day like this, right? So this, yeah, it's something completely different as far as far as I'm concerned. Oh, sorry. So say say more on that. Sorry. Like I mean, I'm used to see you know Ben has like a a good completion attempt ratio, and he has like you know the two two fifty yards kind of game, but sort of having only three oh. completions and three fifty two touchdowns. He's not turning the ball over. Um, you know, like no, this is an elite. Yeah, it's an elite day. This is the next level for for me. Yeah. Yeah. And, but it's it's hilarious to think that like all the while they they still rushed JP thirty one times. He got one hundred sixty six yards, two touchdowns, albeit one at the very end of the game. But like, and that's the thing is they were on the field like the, the whole game. Uh, I don't have the time of possession directly in front of me, but I could tell you watching the game, it was Carlton was pretty consistently two and out. I mean, you can see from kind of you know the attempts. I mean, De Young only sixteen passes. They were behind the whole game. You know what I mean? Like. <laughs> And you only had 16 passes, you know, so they just didn't really ever move the ball kind of after that first drive. Yeah, it was 36, 20, 36 minutes, 24 seconds for the GGs, 23 minutes, 36 seconds for Carlton. Um, but I'll just I'll say again on the JP Simmons point, and then I, I'm I'm good to move to our uh, to our next game. To rush it 31 times and still average 5.4 yards per carry is just spectacular beyond just beyond belief that's just fantastic so i mean we and i you know i've been saying for a few weeks this is what led me to pick windsor over them um carlton for all their weirdness <laughs> the one thing that we, we've definitely seen is teams rush the ball on them you know adam williams had this great game we'll get into that game very shortly um his last you know outstanding performance was rushing it against carlton as well we've seen players go off so maybe not a surprise and i'm not surprised that jp had those numbers but man oh man just another way of just tipping the cap to what Ottawa's doing this year and especially on the offensive end of the ball more than i think we could have predicted and i think you know since that queens game where we were kind of like oh this one was actually really close and we've kind of seen them building and kind of solidifying their position now now I think they're at the point where it'd be really interesting to see how they match up again against, you know, that upper echelon of the conference. They're really the one, two. Uh, so that Western game will be very interesting. You know, we've seen, uh, you know, the Laurier game obviously was a close one, but we've seen him beat up on Carlton, on Guelph. Um, you know, I, I'd be really interested to see kind of how they match up now against, you know, the class of the league, obviously. Yeah, and and I I should correct myself. I misspoke that uh, both. So both these teams take their uh, bye week going into the Thanksgiving weekend, but then Ottawa's hitting the road to play York. Carlton stays in Ottawa to play Waterloo. It's in the last week of the season where uh, where Ottawa will be matching up with Western. And just you think about 
you know, me and Tom, I gave Tom the opportunity to, to do the same exercise that, that we did at the end of our, our last pod. And, you know, <laughs> thinking not only that, you know, going to that last week, that could be an opportunity for, wait, hold on. If Ottawa somehow pulls off the upset of the year, that could possibly bolster them into first place. But at the same time, just we also, in you know, it, it came to light that Laurier could somehow actually end up six and two and possibly be in second themselves. <gasps> just madness happening. Madness in the OUA, at least in the top half. So let's move on to our next game. We'll go into the one o'clock games. We'll start with we'll start with Waterloo and uh, and UFT final score in this one. The Blues picking up the nice victory on the road, thirty two to twenty four. Game of the day for you, Zach. Game of the day. Um, I mean, as far as you know, the back and forth nature of it, um, definitely uh, the most compelling from that standpoint. A lot of offense in it. There were some things in a couple of the other games, that Ottawa game for one, that made me just more just because of how how excited I've been for Ottawa, how they've been playing this year, that was just like validating all my feelings about them and some of the stuff we saw Laurier do in that night game that despite it being a blowout as well, I was like, okay, this is really awesome. But I think this has to be the game of the day. I mean, as we mentioned, Adam Williams gets UFT just rolling out the gates and it kind of quickly looked like the game was possibly Possibly going to go sideways. I mean, we have a 19-4 score at the half, which is by no means, um, you know, uh, out of reach in any regard. Uh, but just the the way that UFT was just running it and chewing up clock, felt like they were possibly going to, you know, blow out Waterloo. And, and, and you know, credit. Jumping into yeah. this one late, I mean, just kind of building off this kind of not necessarily a tale of two halves. But I think, like, watching the game, I don't know if I want to go as far as to say that U of T got figured out a bit by Waterloo. Um, But, you know, only the one offensive touchdown in the half, you know, as opposed to the 19 points in the first. Um, And I think the big difference was, was the blitzing by Waterloo. And I don't know if exposed is the right term for U of T, but you know, we mentioned last week, sort of U of T's passing game. And well, it wasn't that impressive against York, you know what I mean? So like, how is it going to fare going forward? And, you know, this was a contest where, if you're a U of T fan, you know, I was looking for something a bit more decisive than this because, you know, we saw what happened with Mac, who, you know, <laughs> at least we keep building this narrative that their fates are intertwined. Uh, we saw what we saw what Mac did against Waterloo and, you know, I, it just not feeling super confident about U of T kind of after this because we saw, at least when I jumped into the game, that when Waterloo is bringing pressure, you know, whether they have a, a great, you know, hot plan, uh, for the quarterback and receivers or not, you know, they weren't executing that if it was there. So uh, something to be bit very wary of going forward, especially with a Mac defense that, you know, over the years has definitely been prone to bring pressure. Uh, and that'll be something to look at this UFT team going forward, because obviously a very disappointing game through the air. Um, and given that's something we highlighted in the past, it's like, um, you know, it makes me feel a, a bit iffy about their, their playoff chances um, after a game like this. Well, and, and that, you know, the way you were kind of describing it does make me think back to, to week one where we saw them come out the gate firing against Queens and then sort of peter out in the second half to really to not come anywhere close near the production they did in the first half. And you're mentioning how Waterloo was able to get after the QB a bit more in the second half and just, you know, whether it was figuring out UFT or just, you know, whatever that was. I mean, for, you know, we talk so much about this being a young team. And they very much are. 
uh, especially when your quarterback and quarterback room is as young as theirs is, it just by you know you have to consider them a young team. But defensively, having a guy like Jack Hinsberger, two TFLs on the game seemed like in the second half he was a big part of what was kind of slowing down um, the UFT attack. But you know, going to that quarterback position, you know, you and I talked about, and I thought you raised a good point, and and, and Tom um, sort of echoed your sentiments where against Western. You know, it's no shot at Nolan Caban. At a certain point, you just have to take him out of that game. It's just not about the performance. It's just like, well, what's the point? Might as well get a new QB in there. Caban wasn't gonna, you know, wasn't gonna be the comeback of all comebacks or anything like that. And and you think about how his confidence may have been, how it may have affected him, the psychological component of of it. He threw forty four times in this game, thirty three of forty four. 411 yards, one TD to three interception. We talked about too that obviously that TD to interception ratio is is bad. You don't want you just, that's just you can't have that if you're going to have success. But you know even more so the one at the end of the game when they're driving to perhaps unlucky, uh, t- unlucky, un- unlucky. Um, and then the one in the first half back the end zone. Uh, Cody Haler, Owen Casey. I'm forgetting which one. Absolutely all alone. I don't know whose fault that was on the uh, Waterloo side as far as the miscommunication, but. You know, once again, going back to the idea that they do have some some veterans on this team, what I was happiest about seeing with this Waterloo team was that when you look at who was making plays for them in the receiving court, James Basiliga, eight receptions, 146 yards. Gordon Lamb, 10 receptions for 109. You know, his finally seeing him, you know, have a, a you know a decent performance after really, I mean, he missed a game with, he missed a game and a half um, due to an objectionable conduct. Uh, Justin Sukar, eight receptions for 82 yards. Guys that have, you know, bridged that gap from the Trey Ford era into now the, well, whatever we want to call this era. And then uh, Nicholas Sua obviously having some big carries in that second half to bring uh, to, to help you know bring them back into this game, finishing with 94 yards. So really seeing a you know a really impressive performance by Caban coming off of that Western loss to kind of just you know put that one on the shelf, move forward, and then his surrounding cast and offense really coming alive as well. I thought that was that was really big in a game that you know they it, it's they could have easily won. Yeah, and I think if you had any, you know, remaining hope for the season for Waterloo, you know, this would this was kind of not not to say your Super Bowl, but like this was essentially, you know, a make or break occasion for them, unfortunately. So uh, you know, a really back to the wall performance. And, you know, I don't care who you are, if you're able to throw for four hundred yards in an OUA game, you know, to me, you you probably belong somewhere. You know what I mean? So for the team, you know. I know it's U of T and we see, you know, some teams in the past have success against you know, passing the ball against that defense, like Windsor, a team we don't usually see throw the ball that well, you know, but still to have this kind of performance, you know, 33 of 44, that's still a really good uh, completion percentage, 411 yards, a touchdown. He's a young kid, you know, they're, they're going to be picks, man. That's, that's, how, that's how it works when you're learning the ropes uh, for a lot of these guys. But, you know, at the end of the day, you're you're probably feeling better about the program in the long run, at least after this one. But, you know, yeah, season's probably over. <laughs> well, and you mentioned maybe this is their Super Bowl. It's certainly not because, you know, we know that their Super Bowl uh, comes in the form of the Battle of Waterloo this Thursday where they get the the the, the juicy opportunity to play. Not that it would, you know, I'll say play spoiler, not that it would ruin Laurier's season, 
but definitely a game that the prognosticators out there are definitely thinking is a W uh, for for Laurier. So that would you know this that an opportunity for Waterloo to perhaps. not allow Laurie to get a home playoff game in that first round if they were to pull off that upset. I feel like that's the game at this point for you know the Waterloo faithful. They have absolutely circled on their calendar. Um, last thing I'll say though on the Waterloo side of things, it was was great to see as far as uh, bounce backs, comebacks, however you want to frame it, was seeing Cole uh, Crossett back kicking the ball for them after missing the whole Western game um, after oh, Western end end the Mac game. I think I uh, missed, uh, uh, sort of forgot about that one after getting hurt. I don't blame against you. Guelph. <laughs> that, was just, that was a fallow period in, in Waterloo football this season. But yeah, good to see him back out there. All Canadian, um, kicking the ball, punting the ball. So um, good to him ba- have him back in the fold. For UFT, um, they head home where they'll be hosting the Western Mustangs on uh, Friday night at Varsity. Are you gonna Are you gonna solidify yourself as a uh, a season ticket holder, Nate, by making an appearance in that game? I doubt I'll make that one. <laughs> where else would you want to be on a Friday night of Thanksgiving weekend at seven PM than seeing Western play UFT? We can save that comment. Um, speaking of Western, they played football this weekend. Did you know that, Nate? Western was playing some football. They headed down the 401 to take on their historic rival, the uh, the McMaster Marauders. I watched and it. It was on my screen. I, I can't tell you how much I remember about it. That's a good way to describe this game because, frankly, I don't know what to say about it. We'll start with the score. Final in this one, the Western Mustangs 47, the McMaster Marauders 14. Do we just read off stats again like we've done before? Well, I think um, the, the thing for me going into this game, and I think this had to do with, you know, this idea of uh, having opinions based on past for, for performance or reputation or pedigree. Because you had this mag team coming off the bye, and they're a desperate team. They're in a very desperate situation. And, you know, some voices out in the ether, out in the Twitter sphere, you know, thought at least there was like something in the air that felt like, you know, it's Mac, you know, they're at home, they're playing Western. Maybe I could see this one getting ugly in the end. Maybe it ends up being a three score game at some point, but I would expect Mac to kind of put up a fight and it just like. I don't know what it was, but just from the beginning of the game, like, I don't want to say it felt like it would because they didn't roll over, but it was like, I expected something much more fiery, much more inspired. You know, I expect an offense to at least come out, get a few first downs early in the game, stuff like that. But it really weren't able to do anything from the get go. You know what I mean? And that's something that, you know, I, I mean, as an objective person, you know, obviously I want a, a more, more exciting game, but you know, Western really just came out and rolled uh, from the jump. And, you know, that's something from the McMaster side of things. Did you expect to win this game? Probably not. But you certainly hoped you would have put up a much better performance, Um, you know, and even just from the X's and O's kind of thing, like something a bit more inspired um, for me because, like, it just didn't seem like they they thought they were going to win at any point in the game, you know. Nate, their leading rusher was Keegan Hall, 
who came in for Duick, what, in like the third quarter or so at quarterback. Like we've talked about how, you know, ineffective they've been running the ball. But that's, that's bad, man. Like, and, and you know, I, at this point, like I, I'm just, you know, if I, if, if we see Justin Allen, Justice Allen, my apologies, um, you know, appear on the field for Mac again, I love it. Big fan of Justice, great football player, would love to see him out there. And we've talked about the inef- you know ineffectiveness of their offensive line. Duick will combine both Duick and Hall only sack three times against a Western team that gets after quarterbacks as well as any team in this league. You know, maybe you take some solace in that. And hey, you only allowed one rusher for Western to go over a hundred yards. But yeah, but you know, but you, but, but, you, but but but. I think something like the takeaway from Weston in this is, you know, I know from our internal conversations, it's kind of a how good is Evan Hillock kind of conversation comes about. And not to say that we don't think he's good because we all know he's very good. But how often do we really have to see him kind of be a 10 out of 10 or how many situations is he in a position where, you know, he he needs to be uh, the sole focus of the offense. It's very rare, wouldn't you say? Um, but I mean, see a performance like this: twenty-one to twenty-five, three thirty-two, two touchdowns. That's what was interesting to me in this game. Is kind of, you know, we saw Western kind of do something a bit different. Like the past couple of games, it's been we've had you know the two three rushers over a hundred yards. Um, but this one was a different focus for them, and I don't know if that was like something they especially knew going in or something they wanted to work on. But I think in terms of their long-term outlook as, you know, sure, Yates Cup contender, yeah, they're the favorite. But going beyond that, because I think, you know, that's maybe the more interesting talking point. It's kind of Vanier stuff. Um, because, you know, you're going to be facing teams that potentially, you know, those Quebec teams in particular that are going to have a strong front seven. All those guys are going to be 24 years old. You know what I mean? So being able to throw the ball um, with that level of efficiency, precision, whatever word you want to describe it, is something that's impressive and, you know, something that maybe I wish we didn't see from this Western team because it would have made life a bit more interesting seeing them struggle, you know? You know, when you were mentioning, like, have we had to see Evan sort of take the lion's share of the offensive duties in a win for them this year? And it kind of made me think back to what we were talking about in – breaking down the panda game and i was thinking like wait evan hillock ben miracle of the oua west is that the is, is that the comp right now are we just <laughs> is it is two sides of the same coin is is that what we're at right now is it a date is it a date of destiny these two teams with how banged up queens is gonna be is that the yates cup possibility i refuse to go there but it's a possibility <laughs> <laughs> anything is possible man um but for mac i mean i know we did the we did the you know the schedule breakdown i I'm 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 somewhat tempted. I am going home for Thanksgiving, and man, I'm kind of tempted to make a stop in the Royal City on my way there uh, to check out Mac at Guelph. Because oh, man, I, you know, I, I think you got to still favor Mac on the whole. With you know, for all the inconsistencies we've seen with 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 them, especially in the run game, you know, protecting Duick. Duick's still been. I think he still leads. Yeah, still at the top of the leaderboards in yards per game. You know, still been effective there for them. The defense on the whole has been sturdy. Um, and Guelph, you know, all the question marks that we've had with them. I mean, maybe they're not questions anymore. But, uh, you know, might have to stop in for that one. But, you know, after that, it's it's then it's their Queens trip, right? You know, and then they finish off with UFT, which, you know, 
I don't know that you were you were more interested in that game than I was off the jump. I don't know if I'm more interested after what we saw this game after this week. Less interested. Well, it, I think the the thing is is who are we interested to see? You know, I don't want to jinx you know because it could be Queens, but I'm not saying you know. I'm going to say it's going to be Laurier or something. All right. How about that? Maybe it's going to be Laurier. But it's, we're seeing who's going to go in and lose the first round playoff game, right? Is Ultimately, is that what we're very interested in? You know, and I'm not saying that's a sure thing, but odds are, you know, right? So it, it certainly feels that way. So as uh, sort of mentioned in that rambling on by me, uh, Mac hitting the road Friday evening to take on Guelph 6 p.m. kickoff. And as we already said, Western will be heading to UFT for a 7 p.m. kickoff from Varsity Stadium. Can we do a Guelph I, I sidebar? Can, please. Yeah, the Guelph sidebar is always here, bro. I don't, I don't know what it is. And maybe it's just I hadn't seen them play for a week and I forgot, you know, <laughs> what happened against Queen and what happened against Ottawa. Um, but, you know. Sorry, sorry, sorry. And what happened against Waterloo? They won the game, but, like, the, come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's really. <sighs> I don't know. I Like, it's weird because. Even after that Western game, like, yeah, they lost and we wish it was closer. But looking back, it's like, how how was that game that close? And you got a worse scores against, you know, Ottawa and Queens, who are both good teams and obviously have had the opportunity to gel more as an offense as the season goes on and whatnot. But um, a Guelph team that's simply gone the other direction. But, I mean, it's not important. Like, there's a way for them to end up three and five, right? They have Mac. At home, it's not impossible for them to win that game. It's a night game at Guelph. It's not, you know, they have Carlton at home to end the season. Our two, our two biggest, uh, you know, shrug of the shoulders teams in Carlton and Mac against Guelph. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm interested. I'm interested in these games. I'm interested in Guelph the rest of the year. That, that's it. I'm I'm off the the Debbie Downer uh, of Guelph phase at least for now. I'll probably you know what I'm ready to hop back on the train next week. But for now, I'm a bit more optimistic. Let's say I'm biting my tongue making the comment <laughs> I want to say, but I'm going to say it. You're the person who holds up traffic when you're craning your neck to look at the car crash happening <laughs> in the other lane, aren't you? Goodness gracious, Nate. Hey, go Griffs. I'm here for the drama um, and I. <laughs> I like that you just uh, you d- didn't include them going to play Laurier because oh that, 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 that's an L's baby. I don't need Taylor El- Taylor Elgers, but let's go. Oh, we have one more game to get to before we get to the uh, the Golden Hawks uh, beat down in Windsor. But we have your Queens Golden Gales uh, picking up a uh, I don't know what you want to call this victory. They they beat York sixty one to two. It was in Kingston. Um, one of my favorite tweets that I don't have in front of me um, from. Uh, uh, friend of the pod, Carlo, uh, mentioning you know shout out to Queens when you can uh, you do you have the do you know which one I'm talking about when he's like you can cover the spread he's with bring, your backup. He's bringing the backup also knows how to cover the spread for Queens. Yeah, yeah, and not and not only th- the backup Zach, but the third stringer was the one that sealed the cover. Let me tell you. So how about that? Yeah, it was. Uh, and for I those mean, interested, I'm, for those yeah. interested, spread closed. I think it I got it at minus forty and a half. I think it closed at minus forty three and a half. Over under opened at fifty and a half, closed at fifty three and a half. 
And uh, if you watched that Queens game last week against Guelph, maybe you were feeling pretty confident that Queens was able to hit that over on their own in this one, which they did. Yeah. Yeah, that's something. I mean, you know, hey, York, they opened up the scoring with the, uh, you know, with, Zach, with it's, the it's, deuce. It's deja vu. It's Groundhog Day. The, the same old script with these York Lions, man. It's always a little dodgy in that first quarter. I don't know what it is. Yeah, I think it's just like no one wants everyone just like it's in the back of everyone's mind. Like, we're not going to be the team that that, you know, gives them a game. Right. And then you're like, no, 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 we're not going to be. And it, and it happens the way it's going to be. Um, I, I have I'll repeat what I said on last week's pod so I can hopefully maybe trademark this before Queens gets it printed on shirts. Um, Alex Vreekin. He's freaking good, man. He's freaking good. Uh, 17-23, three TDs, 223 net yards total. You know, but most interesting is just the, and maybe we don't want to take too much into this against uh, York, but like the top rushers for Queens, Jaden Kerr, six carries for 78 yards. And then Greg Jones, 10 attempts for, uh, 10 carries for 62 yards, like, Greg Jones, like that sounds like like the create a player name that like auto fills in when you're making a character. Like, is that just how Queens is doing it these days? They just have some kind of like 3D printer. The, the, strangest, just... the strangest part of this game is York, like as much as you can shut down Anthony Souls, shut down Anthony Souls. <laughs> it was very like, sorry, peculiar. can I just get a more can I just get like a more clear soundbite of you saying York shut down Anthony Souls so I can put that at the start? <laughs> Absolutely not. Okay, I'm still gonna finagle my way into having that happen off the jump. Uh, you, you know my editing skills. York, shut down, Anthony Souls. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what I want to. Uh, how much more I want to say about this? I mean, you know, I was you know talking to my pops about this. You know, obviously for Queens, you know, not knowing what uh, James Keenan's status is. They obviously believe that Alex Freakin's a quarterback that, you know, can be at the helm for them to win Yates Cups. Do we, do they think, in all honesty, that that Yates Cup theoretically comes this year with Freakin? Obviously, you know, he's the guy taking over, and they hoped that that was going to be at the start of the 2023 campaign. Um, and for however long he'd be playing thereafter. Um, from what you've seen so far from his connections, you've seen with some of his receivers, albeit, uh, you know, in, uh, you know, half a game, so to speak against, uh, a Guelph team that's been less than impressive and, and a York team that, you know, defensively, they can show some, some, some decent things. Um, you know, do you, as a, as a Queens alum, as, as, as a former quarterback, uh, at that fine institution, uh, how do you feel so far with, you know, with how, where Vreekin's at? I think a good way to contextualize it is let's start by looking at it in the lens of you're starting your backup quarterback. You're starting, you know, a guy who's taking not his first snaps, but his first snaps as a starter, first snaps being the guy. It's about like best case scenario, really, when you're looking at it, right? So when you look at it through that lens alone, things are great. Now let's take a look at the lens of I'm a Yates Cup contender. And it's solid. Like, you know, I think he's shown a lot of great things. Um, there have been a couple inconsistencies here and there, you know, and the numbers look good, but, you know, there were a couple things that could be sharper. You know what I mean? And that's not something that's unexpected. Um, maybe you're hoping for something a bit more explosive against this York team, but we all kind of 
understood how teams haven't exactly <laughs> I mean, Queens did blow the doors off them, but kind of, you know, we're all kind of uh, very meh about it. Um, but I think, you know, really the test is for me, um, obviously Mac next week and sort of a better defense, but you know, we're not going to know for sure. I think until, until that, that road game against Laurie at the end of the year. And I think having this York game is a good warm up. Mac games, kind of another step above to kind of see how you're doing. And then, you know, Laurie is a real test because, you know, from what we've seen the past couple of weeks with them, Obviously, falling short in the Ottawa game, that's disappointing, but they're right there. Um, and obviously, this impressive win against Windsor this week um, on the road where we know it's not a hard place place play, and we'll get to that in a second. But for me, that's going to be you know, a real indicator of, of Queen's ceiling. And if they're going to stay in that second spot or if the loss of James Keenan you know, kind of puts them more on the same level with Laurier in Ottawa or if they can kind of stay above that, right? So... You know, for me, I think it'll be interesting in these next couple of weeks, but that's kind of what I'm focused on in terms of, you know, a real evaluation of, of where Alex is going to be at after a couple of games. Yeah. And another, and you mentioned that Laurier game. I mean, just, you know, if James Keenan remains out. If, yeah, no, I, you know, we don't know that. Obviously, like, I mean, it's just kind of at this point, we can only assess what we're seeing on the field. And, you know, obviously, as I was kind of saying, thinking about that, you know, this team in some capacity does believe that he's a a quarterback that can take them to a Yates Cup. He is the the future for them, and that's a future that they strongly believe, and I think they have every right to do so. Involves competing for Yates Cups in the next, you know, three to five years and, and, and thereafter, but somewhat in the context of um, of uh, you know whatever uh, eligibility Vreekin will have uh, moving from uh, past this year. Um, you know, one thing I did think about, um, just the last note on on, on York, um, and and yeah, no, we, thinking about are we going to talk about a certain play, and a certain sideline, and a certain gesture? Oh, do we want to mention I, that's that? Not, um, I think we already are. All right. <laughs> um, okay, that wasn't where I was going. Well, okay. Um, you, do you want to go for? I could do that. At the no, end. You, you please, please. Well, okay. Let me just. The point I was going to raise is that you know you you know we talk about for all the the difficulties York's had. Uh, they've had some strong performances uh, defensively. Matt Dean's had a really great year for them, and it just was occurring to me thinking about in, in some of these other games where. I don't know the reasons why these players left, but they had one of their better secondary players in Talik Ayuman go to Carlton, one of their better linebackers in Damian Jamison go to Laurier. And not that I think that makes them world beaters if they had kept those two players. And then and Dante Master Giuseppe going downtown to U of T. Um, and so a, a defensive back, a linebacker, and a kicker isn't the difference between York, you know, having one victory via. Um, a forfeit or technicality, whatever you want to call it, and being, you know, um, you know, in a playoff hunt. But it is just interesting to think, especially on that defensive side of things, and also that a lot of their troubles on specials have been, well, sometimes they're just not getting the snap back there, but also have been kicking the ball. Interesting to just think about a few of those pieces that have left. Maybe that is a just, you know, maybe in just even mentioning those things, it's somewhat of an indictment against the program if, you know, whatever reason those players left. I don't know the rationale, but I was just thinking about that, that there are some really talented players that wore, you know, York red, black and white for the you know majority of their careers now on other teams. Um, the gesture you were speaking of go. Yeah. I mean, I, I, there's not that much to say about it. I think, you know, sort of the Queens broadcast summed it up perfectly. Um, the context is the score is 47 to and a certain York Lions player, 
I think he played the quarterback position. Um, you know, made a, a short yardage play, bounced it outside, and got a few yards and was heading out of bounds. And gave the Queens defender the peace sign. We, the the famous, you know, Tyreek Hill. But Tyreek Hill's going into the end zone when he <laughs> makes that gesture, right? Not out of bounds, deferring. And I loved your analysis, Zach. He was asking for peace. He was saying, I'm going out of bounds, man. Peace, you know, no no hitting, no violence, right? Peace, right? It was I'm, I, it, it, what came to mind for me was the scene in Austin Powers, the spy who shagged me, when Austin Powers is getting the, the, the crap kicked out of him by, by Mini-Me. <laughs> then Mini-Me brings him his glasses, throws him the peace sign, and Austin Powers is like, oh, peace, peace. And then Mini-Me proceeds to, to beat the crap out of him uh, again, which kind of is what happened there, I guess, except it wasn't the individual throwing out the peace sign laying the beat down. Well, if that but, it is taunting or showboarding, that's one of the most outrageous things I've ever seen on a football field and just embarrassing. Let's go. Uh, well, okay. York, what are we, they host Windsor next Friday night um, uh, at home. And uh, for Queens, they are, uh, they're taking their bye, um, which, you know, we kind of talked about that. You know, they, eh, when James King goes down, but you got, you know, York and then a bye. It's not the worst time for that to happen. Um, proof of the pudding was in the tasting. So let's move on to our last game where uh, we've already mentioned this game in passing and talking about some of the other machinations from this uh, from yesterday's slate of games. It's the Lori Golden Hawks rolling into Windsor and uh, you know laying laying a, a smackdown on the Lancers. Final score in this game, Golden Hawks 49, Windsor Lancers 11. I was, you know, I, you know, I, 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 Adam Williams deserved the offensive player of the game recognition. Ben Miracle had a heck of a game. Um, and an elite game, we called it, and rightfully so. But man, oh man, I am I am loving me some Taylor Algersma. I you know, nineteen for twenty six, two twenty one, three TDs, and a rushing TD to boot as well. Throws one of the nicest balls. As mentioning before, you know, we started recording, just going off about threw like a field out where it looked like he was, you know, flicking a, a mosquito away from, you know, his ear or something. The ball just comes off of his arm like a rocket fired out of a cannon or whatever, you know. And, and you know, we talk about some of the weapons that are uh, as far as skill position groups on other teams. The group that he's had, I mean, we talked about the sort of uh, the rushing attack of, you know, Quentin Scott, who's no doubt the you know the number one guy, but Tanner Nelms. Um, but then, you know, Ethan Jordan, Nick Peterman, Ben McAlpine, Nelms having an impact in the receiving game as well. I'll give you credit for sort of jumping on this Laurier team before I did, but, you know, I'm... And I'll get your thoughts uh, as soon as I'm done. This sort of where you're at now with them, but I'm right there with where with you, or maybe you're somewhere else with them now. But man, oh man, um, I, I, it's Golden Hawks football, baby, let's go! Yeah, I think it's like you know them and the GGs are kind of you know to the best of their abilities encroaching on Queen's territory. Let's say mm. um, because you look at these teams. They can all play defense. They can all run the football. And they all have quarterback players, let's say, they don't need all the time. You know, but I think when it comes down to it, it's which one of those teams is going to be able to get the most out of those guys 
Um, you know, to get the big clutch play at the right time or to get the big chunk play that sets up, you know, a field goal or something. Because as the weather gets worse, you know, we are still going to see teams run the ball. And, the, you know, a quarterback that can make, you know, even just the one play is going to be so crucial down the stretch. Um, and, you know, I think it's going to be really interesting to see kind of those three teams in particular and kind of, A, how it finishes out in the final standings. But then, you know, eventually at the point where they're matched up against each other in the playoffs, how that's going to shake out um, and, you know, having sort of a true pick em game uh, in that sense will be very interesting. But looking at this game in general and kind of being a bullish guy on Laurier and seeing the, the minus three, minus two and a half spread for Laurier in this one, um, I, w- I was smashing that all week because <laughs> Windsor – Solid football team. It sort of has some of the characteristics that, you know, I just mentioned. They're kind of in that same. They could run the ball. They could play some defense, you know, not in this game in particular. But we've seen them play defense in the past. But (laughs) (laughs) Sort of. Sorry. I think losing, you know, Danny Skelton, for one thing, was not good. Um, But, I mean, regardless, I think really their only good game throwing the ball was against Toronto. And I think the reality of the situation is, I mean, looking at their numbers, 10 of 30 for 100 yards passing, like you're throwing 30% completion percentage. Like that's that's not going to win you a lot of football games, if any, right? You know what I mean? So, you know, hoping they get Danny Skelton back for kind of this last playoff push and have a couple winnable games. I, you know, I think they're definitely a playoff team in my books, but, and I think I'm happy with that if I'm Windsor, you know, I think like, I don't want it to come off as if like, Yes, this is a disappointing result for them, but in the grand scheme of things, it's hard to be disappointed with where they are. I'm sure everyone wants to win every game and everything like that, but in the totality of things, kind of the position where they're at, I think is is perfect, where they have this great foundation of a football team, and you know what? Hell yeah, you're going to need a passing game if you want to compete in the OUA, um, any kind of functioning one, and you know that's something they're going to have to add, and we saw a flash of it with Danny Skelton, but we're at a point where they'll make the playoffs, and they should be happy about that, but I don't see much else for them after that. Yeah, and, and obviously the the if if you're excited about if nothing else for Windsor, it's it's obviously what Joey Zorn's been doing all year long. Still sitting at the top of the league in rushing average, um, you know, ahead of guys like Keon Edwards, J.P. Simmonkinda, Quentin Scott, Anthony Souls, um, who according to Nate Hobbs got shut down by uh, the York Lions. Never forget. Um, but you know, one twenty six, nothing to sneeze at. 66 of those yards. And I don't love playing this game, but it's, it, it is worth noting. Yeah, 66 of those yards on that big touchdown run he had to sort of open the second half. Um, but, you know, at that point still, it felt like even with that touchdown, the game was the game was out of reach. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, but I think you're right. I think they have some of those key components that, like, you know, what, whether there was some sort of found, you know, found treasure found gold from this year and a guy like Zorn um some of the receivers that we've seen have decent games I mean not necessarily in this performance but a guy like Justin Amoa's had some decent performances for them uh Callum Bethune's had some good games and yeah like you said Danny Skelton really showed that you know he could be um the guy for them moving forward not knowing his eligibility sort of off the top of my head but um yeah uh but going back to that sort of recipe for success for Laurier you know when we you know, before we even talk about Taylor Algersma or without talking about Algersma is running the ball and his defense. And, you know, 
a veteran guy like Shamari Hutchinson in the fold, sort of in that sort of Sam half position for them. Ife Anyamenem at linebacker being a stud, Luke Brubacher. And, uh, you know, uh, we were talking about having to sort of figure out uh, who we want as defensive players of the game. Hey, Patrick Burke Jr., catch the first interception so I can just be like, yeah, this dude had two picks on the game. Um, They threw it right to you, man. Uh, I guess that's the old cliche of why certain players play defense, right? But, um, yeah, I know a team that's super well-rounded and... uh, you know, great base, a great foundation, and a team that hasn't made the playoffs since 2013, 2014. It's been almost a decade, you know, so it's still a huge moment for the program. Um, you know, well, I, I believe they made it in 2016 because oh, they? they may they may have won a Yates Cup that year. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> were you not still playing in 2016, Nate? <laughs> They I probably was. beat your ass on the way to that Yates Cup. Too many hits to the head, Zach. Come on. We all know the, the old adage, right? <laughs> oh, something like that. Well, you know, for Laurier, like we said, um, they obviously have um, a lot to play for this season beyond the regular season. But no doubt, Thursday night in uh, at Waterloo Field against the Cross. Cross cross street rivals, right? Really, when you think about those two schools, which you know they're going to be amped up for. Um, and for Windsor, they're hitting the road as we mentioned to take on York in um, an interesting game. I, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll figure out what to talk about that game come the. Uh, well, shoot, I mean Thursday game. When have I have to put this podcast? Oh my goodness, it's going to be a busy week. Um, yeah, any any other thoughts with this with this game or, or sort of thinking about these two clubs? Well, gun to your head, last game of the season. Waterloo or Windsor? Hold on. Let me first. Okay. It's Waterloo, Windsor. It's at Windsor. Import, very important to note. Very important to note. Um, Windsor. I just. Windsor. What is interesting to me is Waterloo's a team that's at least shown they've been able to throw the ball sometimes. And Windsor just hasn't. But I guess at the same time. What do we just see U of T do against Waterloo running the ball? So you know mm-hmm. what? I'm with you. I think Windsor probably rolls. Anyways. Uh, an, an interesting exercise none, nonetheless, but my attention will be thoroughly preoccupied in the Western Ottawa game, the uh, Queens-Laurier game, the, the Toronto Max. Well, you know, Toronto Max, more your territory of interest. But or Maybe uh, it'll be Guelph-Carlton for all we, all we know. <laughs> That Guelph Carl, that game I already know is gonna piss me off. I don't know why it's just gonna be annoying. Something with both teams are gonna do something stupid, you know. I don't. I love you, Guelph. Well, that'll wrap it up for us in our week six uh, review. Um, yeah, obviously, as we were kind of saying in all these uh, in a lot of these games, Thanksgiving weekend, a bit of an odd schedule. We have the Thursday night battle of Waterloo matchup and then a slew of games on Friday night. So Tom and I, um, you know, I actually I check in with Tom. He did just get married. I don't know what his plans are this week. Uh, well, I guess have the, the preview pod up on Wednesday. Maybe it'll, maybe it'll be me. Who knows? We'll figure all that out. Um, and we'll give you some of our thoughts are diving deeper into those matchups so i guess we'll talk to you on wednesday at the 55